What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Lemon, and you're tuned in to the Joe Lemon Experience Podcast. I live by this motto called push yourself to know yourself. And this audio experience has totally been about me connecting with people that I find interesting and having just cool and candid conversations with them about how they're challenging the whole status quo and bettering themselves in the process. What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Lemon. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Welcome back. I'm in Chicago this week for the NBA Combine and just doing my networking thing. And there's a trade show at the end of the at the end of the week. So if you're in Chicago, we'd love to link up with you. And I want to keep this conversation going around sports. So got a couple interviews that have been stockpiling a little bit. And this one is with Chris Contini. He's the general manager for the Denver Sports Recovery Center. And um, I got to say, these guys are trailblazers when it comes to this whole sports medicine slash recovery model that I think is really catching on throughout the U.S. It's, they started back in 2013, and they have a lot of interesting modalities there. They also dibble and dabble a little bit into neuroscience. We talk a little bit about that at a couple other separate clinics. But Chris is a really interesting guy. He has a, he has a background in sports medicine, used to work for the University of Colorado. And, you know, a couple of fun conversations around just building up an actual cash-based practice. Because one of the big things that these clinics are doing that's different than, uh, you know, when you go to the normal doctor's office, you go to the hospital, is that that's all insurance-based stuff. And insurance can be tricky. It could be a nightmare for most people on the, on the back end of it. They have codes for those that don't know, and these codes have to match up. If the codes don't match up, then the, then the clinic doesn't get paid, yada, yada, yada. The patients don't, there, there's no transparency about what the, what the real cost is behind it. You just get a bill later. So these guys are going more direct into a cash-based practice, which I firmly believe in. But with that, you also have to kind of coach people how to kind of invest in themselves and, and get them to buy into the therapies a little bit more so you can see the outcomes. So a lot of fun conversations are going to kind of be built around this. But uh, you guys sit back and enjoy the conversation. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. I would greatly appreciate that. And leave a rating, leave some feedback. Let me know what you're looking for. You can always reach me at Joe Alex Lemon on all social media platforms. With that said, let's dive into it. Right? Like, because a lot, obviously, I'm in sales. Mm -hmm. Sales and marketing is, is, is my interest. But I'm like, I want to get to know the people in the industry. Whether we do business together or not, mm -hmm. it's cool. I just want to kind of know what they're up to. Yeah. Because then I can give value back to the guys that I do do business with as well. So it's, it's a nice it's a nice give take, you know? I think it's phenomenal. I, I, I love how you... Hey, you're kind of, you got your hands in a few different, you know, <laughs> cookie jars right now. It's great. It's great. It's good to be diversified. It's great to have other things that are keeping you going, keeping you interested. Uh, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be doing. Man, you know, I'm just trying to stay, uh, like you said, diverse, man. I get, I get bored easily. And, you know, <laughs> once you get bored, it's like, then you start beginning like, now what? Just get some, watch, I'll watch some more Netflix shows or anything else and get distracted with that. So. Yeah. Yeah, this is just fun for me, I guess, man. Yeah. Well, Chris, man, I want to welcome you on to the podcast. Thank you so much for leaving the clinic, <laughs> taking some time out, man, coming over to the House of Pod and uh, hopping on the mics, man. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, well, so you know what? Let's kind of let's kind of dive into some of the things that you has that that you have going on. Right? Okay. Um, you've been in this whole sports world for a little bit now, right? Mm -hmm. How many years? Uh, probably close to a decade. 
Wow, man. Yeah. How's it feel to be at a stage you've been doing something for a decade? Oh, God. You know, I uh, <laughs> feel old. When I say two decades or three, yeah, I think yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, man, you know, you know so it's, it's funny because, like, I'm only 35, and mm. I feel like a 12 You look I, great. I'm all, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> I'm gaining weight. I feel like I need more sleep. But anyway, <laughs> appreciate the compliment. <laughs> but, but, but um, you know, saying that I've been doing this for, like, you know, 12 years now, I feel like some geezer when I talk to some 20 year olds, you know, yeah. so, but anyway, so a decade in the business, yep. can you give us a little bit of background on how you got in and yeah. what was the entry points? Yeah. So I, um, I started, um, I was actually pre-med. I, that, that was my goal. Um, I have my degrees, uh, in integrative physiology and neuroscience from CU Boulder. Nice. I stuck around there, uh, for about three years for their sports med program. Um, and I worked alongside, um, their athletic trainers in their, um, athletic department, uh, predominantly with the football team, um, but also, uh, basketball, a little bit of track and field. And then that's how I ran into, um, one of our owners at Denver Sports Recovery and, um, my good friend, uh, Marsha Prada, she is the chiropractor for CU. So, uh, when they, for, when we first opened 2013, they uh, approached me about the concept, asked if I wanted to be a part of it, and I said, absolutely. Uh, it was so, what we do, I find to be such a unique and important industry. Um, what the vision was, was to take the same care that we provide to professional lead athletes and bring it to the general public. Mm -hmm. So we have over a dozen different one-on-one -on -one therapies and practitioners and providers and then we also have our recovery center, which is modeled as that athletic training room. And it gives all walks of life an opportunity um, to come in, to get treatment, um, to have multiple disciplinaries working for them and along with them. And you just don't see that as often. I know we talked about earlier how in the health and wellness industry, there can be a lot of, um, what did we say? Uh, um, what was the word we used? Well, I was about to say like snake oil. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. because I feel like there's a lot of things out there, yeah. but there's a lot of gaps as well. There are a lot of gaps. There are a lot of gaps. Lots of deficiencies. People get in the territorial over there. Yeah, clientele. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot of things coming out. Health and wellness recovery, quote unquote, is is becoming a really hot topic these days. Um, you know, with celebrities, professionals, and now into our mainstream. Um, it. There's there's a lot there's a lot of noise out there, and so mm -hmm. it's nice for us to be able to clarify a lot of that stuff um, with our clients coming through, with our patients coming through. Um, so that's that's when we started five almost six years ago. Wow, almost six years ago now at Denver Sports Recovery, um, and it's been it's been a really wonderful experience. Man, I, I had no clue that you were a part of the actual founding party then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of, of really opening up the clinic and really kind of bringing this concept to life. Mm -hmm. Because um, I get a chance to travel a decent amount, and uh, you know, as we were chopping it up, you guys launched in 2013. Mm -hmm. I think more, I would say, some of the major markets are just now starting to kind of catch on to what you guys were doing then. Yeah, I mean, so you guys kind of pioneered a lot of this whole thought of of having this in between the hospital and people just doing self care almost, you know. And I mean. I think it serves as like a very nice bridge for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, I would agree to that. Uh, we have, you know, someone has an ankle sprain, and if it's not severe enough that they think they know need to go to the ER to get an X-ray, mm -hmm. uh, what do they do at home? Um, do they immobilize? Do, I, do they mobilize? Do they heat? Do they ice? Those are all questions that. 
there's a ton of gray area for. I mean, ankle sprains, I want to say, are anywhere from 20 to 30% of all ankle of all injuries. And they're very prevalent. And it's it's so interesting to see how many people um, of all walks of life just have little to no knowledge on something like that that affects so many of us. Um, not only that, but we also see, you know, we get such a skewed perspective on TV. Uh, you'll see on on ESPN, uh, football players out two weeks with the calf strain, right? right? right. So subconsciously or, or consciously, we get in the mindset, oh, it's okay, two weeks for an injury. You know, we'll get a, an athlete in with maybe a grade two hamstring strain, black and blue. Mm-hmm. A week and a half later, they're like, Chris, what's wrong? My hamstring still hurts. I'm right. like, of course it still hurts. That's a four to week, six week injury. Um, you're just getting a skewed perspective from what you've seen on on TV with these professional athletes because they have everything under the sun. They've got access to all the tools. They have access to all these professionals. Um, so it's good to be able to shed some light on that as well. Yeah. I think in our culture, we're so obs- obsessed with immediate gratification. Yep. And um, people want that quick fix. And, and it's good to just have that dialogue to let them know that your body takes time to heal. We can do a lot to help it out, to help with the pain, to help with the process. But at the end of the day, your body needs time, you know? Man, you know, um, I'm going to be very selfish with a couple questions here. <laughs> <laughs> One, how do you get people to endure the process? Yeah. I mean, because to me, like, I feel like that's one of the biggest hurdles. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I mean, we got our phones, we got access to everything. I was just on my phone. I mean, like, there's always uh, this 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 outside noise going on, and people always want to say, oh, I heard somewhere online that LeBron, you know, bounced back within – like you said, two weeks from a hamstring tear, mm-hmm. I'm still hurting it. I'm on week six. Yeah. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. How do you get people to kind of like change their thinking a little bit? You know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, you got to be honest with yeah, your yeah. patients and clients, right? You need to let them know uh, from the get go what type of a process this will probably be, what this could be. Um, and to give some good objective goals along the way. That's kind of the big thing that I see is I'll get a ankle sprain from a soccer athlete and they've, they're like, hey, it's been about a week. I'm feeling okay. Um, can I go play soccer? And my big thing is, do you have symmetry? Do you have symmetry? Strength, stability, range of motion. And we can give an individual objective goals to test that. And that way, it's not just a matter of feel, a matter of subjectiveness. It's an objective visual that they have as oh, no, you don't have that ankle dorsiflexion yet. Right. Or, oh, no, you don't have that jump test down yet. And and that is a good way to kind of put into picture for them what are they there, but also to kind of let them know, like, you know, the repercussions are there too. You know, we have an increased risk of injury if we are not at those levels of play yet. And just have that real conversation, I think, is important for us. Man, you have a cool job. <laughs> Thank you. I got to be you too. I got to be here with well, you. Well, well, I mean, I mean the, <laughs> Like being able to, you know, give people that feedback objectively mm-hmm. and not just, you know, I think I'm ready to play. I think I'm good to go. I remember so many times, um, you know, when I was playing and not saying I was a good player, but I definitely got hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and as, I, as I'm going through therapy, I'm always telling myself, like, all right, I'm going to will myself back. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. it, it was all subjective, at least from what I what I can't remember. This is almost. Let's call it 15, almost 20 years ago, man, when I got hurt playing like high school ball. And I mean, it's crazy. So, it's, I mean, so times have changed, obviously. Yeah, you know, I, things it, are moving forward. But you bring up a good point. I mean, there is a certain mental toughness that I think um, needs to come along with it. There's, 
there's a perseverance in the athlete or in the client that that needs to be there. Um, I mean, those who work in in rehab or physical therapy or health and wellness. I mean, we all know you give someone exercises and they come back next week. You know if they did them or not. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So Shows, having right? having yeah. that mental that mental state to know I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to do what I'm told is really really important. And you know that's where I see a lot of setbacks is you know people come into our facility. And they spend an hour and a half with us. Maybe they're doing it once a week, maybe twice a week, maybe three times a week, usually three to four times. Some people are there every day. Granted, most of them are retired or professional athletes, but mm -hmm. uh, three to four days is on average. You need to be doing so much more than what we are providing in two or three days, maybe a collective of four hours. Yeah. You've got to do a lot of home diligency as well. Um, and we can really tell for those who have and who have not done that. Um, and I think that's kind of the other point I like to get across is if I have a client in and if they can leave with all the information that I can provide them on what is bringing them in, I've done my job. If they can go home and facilitate as they need to, and I don't see them again, it'll be sad. I love seeing people. Yeah. Uh, but at least I know that they're on the right track. Um, and, and that's a really important feature I like to try to instill with all of our clients and patients coming through. Man, you know, um, you guys are you guys sound like you're trying to put the patients first with with a lot of this actual thought process. Mm -hmm. And you know, I want to touch on a couple other subjects too. I want to journey into sports a little bit. Yes, <laughs> because um, we were kind of talking about that. And, and you know, one of my frustrations. I'm not going to name drop any because there, there, there's. I want to put this caveat out there first. There's a lot of great people working for pro teams. Uh, a lot of these guys do their do the best, and they're they're on it. But I feel like the system as a whole. Mm -hmm. has some flaws to it mm -hmm. and my, and I'll rant for two seconds on like how I think that a lot of what they hire the inside set the inside people for is to be this management you know um you know tool basically to kind of look down and say hey I want to see what these guys are doing so we know how to structure deals we know what these guys are capable of and kind of work them through the mill a little bit um but you know it's not so much player driven but there are teams that are player focused and more so player centric you know mm -hmm. do you see that changing at all or, or is it kind of yeah you know you bring up a really great point i um i will say that is something that we went in um aggressively from the beginning for our clinic yeah. um a as you alluded to there's a lot of kind of territorial natures of therapists there's yeah. a lot of you know, financial aspects that can now start to impede the uh, the therapist's ability to be fluid in their treatment avenues, yeah. right? And um, and you do see that, and 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 I do hope that starts to change. I feel like I feel like it is. I think as we start to see a lot of different um, certifications and licensings that are coming out there, the scope of different practitioners are growing. Yeah. Um, and I hope that that provider can be more dynamic in their approach to treatment that isn't so cut and dry in regards to what the higher-ups are telling them that they are stuck in a box to provide. Yep. Um, I see that a lot with um, a lot of insurance-based clients. I mean, insurance is, is, is a nightmare in itself. Oh, that's crazy. But, you know, it's very structured. It's very cut and dry in what you have to do. Um, and, and, and I know that's one thing we've really tried to combat is our clinic, as I mentioned, we have over a dozen different providers and therapies. And... We have really worked hard to ensure that there is a lot of really wonderful communication amongst all of our staff, that people are 
able to um, cross refer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be honest, there's not one therapy out there for everyone. Right. You know, we could have an individual who has a certain case where like, hey, this therapy is going to be beneficial. We are highly, highly optimistic. It's not doing a thing. We're like, okay, well, we need to switch gears. Um, where a lot of therapists, I think, get stuck in a rut is um, either if your therapy isn't working, either A, you keep doing it, even though we're not seeing any therapeutic value. B, um, it's not working. So you say, peace. Thanks for coming in. Um, good luck. Or C, which is what you hope, is you give them other avenues. And that that's one of the biggest things that I tell all of our any, any therapist I meet is build a rapport with other practitioners. Because if you haven't already, you're going to have a case that is going to be difficult and you may want some outside some consulting or assistance and you want that resource. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is leave a client or a patient in a scenario where they don't know what to do because you don't know what to do and, and they're still in pain. So it's good to have that that approach where you're collaborating with other therapists. And honestly, some of our most successful cases are not where one therapist is working on an individual. They're seeing our PT and our Cairo. They're getting massage work done. Maybe they're doing some MAT, which is muscle activation technique. They're doing multiple services that are all synergistic amongst each other. Man, that's a great point, man, because um, one of the things that, that you mentioned was how these different certifications are coming out. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a Venn diagram, how they're kind of bleeding into each other, yeah. which makes it easier to kind of this might not be a good word, but at least lower <laughs> lower people's ego about what they're about what they're willing to to actually transfer over to just to like somebody else. Mm-hmm. I guess it almost kind of bridges the gap. I want to say, yeah, yeah, I think I, so. I mean, I mean, because um, you know, I I would never recommend one therapy. I mean, I'm not a therapist, mm-hmm. but whenever people ask about our tools and like all of our devices, mm-hmm. I never say just use this and that's it. You know, I yeah. I think it's always a a multi-discipline approach. It's always a multi-facet mm-hmm. approach to it. Um. I mean, at least that's what I always kind of throw out there. And I say how to kind of interject it, but without, you know, saying that this is this this is the actual cure-all, right? You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, we have that same approach with our floor staff. You know, at the end of the day, when we get done running through clients through a list of passive modalities and, and we sit down with that client, we always like to give anywhere from two to three one-on-one therapy considerations. Nice. And, and, and they're going to generally hit different avenues. Um, and we explain what they're, why we're recommending those services, what they're designed to do for that specific individual. And they're kind of different forks in the road. And sometimes it's a matter of, well, which fork do you want to try first? You know, these are, these are all decisions or all therapies that we are recommending with a conscious purpose. But which one do we want to try first to see, is that truly the way to fully eliminate our concern, our issue, our cause? And you know, after a couple of treatments with that therapist, after that therapist and that client or that patient have that conversation, great. They're either where they need to be or they pivot to one of those other avenues because they're just not get quite getting the whole thing through that one therapeutic practice. So I think it's important to empower the client to be able to let them make some decisions as well as far as, hey, these are my recommendations and this is why. What would you like to try? I mean, acupuncture, dry needling, phenomenal therapies. I have seen a ton of success but some people don't like needles. And if you yep. don't like needles, good luck. And it's a matter tough of, sell. you know, we always, yeah, it's <laughs> tough sell. And we talk about, yeah. uh, you know, we talk about the placebo effect, yeah. right? Yeah. And we always talk about it in one direction where, 
You know, if you think something is going to work, it's going to work. Well, it works in the other facet as well. If you do not like needles and you don't think acupuncture is going to work, guess what? It's probably not going to work. Yeah. So I could have someone where I'm like, acupuncture is the therapy for you. It, it, it's cut and dry. That is the one that we want to go with. But if you have vasovagal response and you pass out from the sight of needles or even the thought of needles, well, then we need to pivot because you probably won't benefit as you may should from that therapy aspect, right? Man. What's your thoughts on that placebo effect, man? Yeah, you know. I'm really glad that you went there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glad you tossed that up there. Yeah. yeah. What about it? Well, I mean, so I, you know. I mean, because, be, all, right, all right, let me kind of give you some context. Yeah. So, so, so a, lot, a lot of times what I, what I kind of come across is that people are apprehensive to um, give it any type of weight or merit mm -hmm. because they're like, man, you're just willing yourself into it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing this positive thinking type of mantra. Yeah. But it seems like you can get some good outcomes just for off a, a placebo. Right? I'm telling you, there are, and and I mean, there are numerous, numerous studies that show the placebo effect is a real thing. Your mind is a very, very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. um, I think where we need to kind of, what I like to look at for the placebo effect is, while yes, it's a real tool, uh, it's helpful. We don't want a deceiving product right. based off of that, that we don't tell our clients, we don't tell the demographics that are out there, right? Mm -hmm. We want it to be based on some validity. And, you know, we talked earlier about this, this competitive um, environment with tools, with products, with therapeutic interventions. And, and I, what I like about that, while there is a lot of this, as you described, kind of snake oil that yeah. can be out there, yeah. out and about, I am hopeful and optimistic that that is going to promote a very competitive environment to where those players that are just not showing benefit or that just don't have the efficacy or the research when that starts to come out, they're going to fall off the map. They get exposed. You know, they get exposed. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, too, you know, I'll bring it back to kind of compression therapy. We we're talking about compression therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, when that first came out, it was a very expensive tool. It still is fairly expensive. But there's a lot of competitors. I mean, in the top of my head, I've got five different compression companies that I know of that um, are therapeutic in nature. They're FDA approved. And they've been really being able to bring that price down to allow people to have home units, which What's is phenomenal. What's the price at right now? I mean, because as we were talking earlier, yeah. like before it was in that 2,500 range, three grand range, yeah. right? Yeah, you can get them. I mean, man, uh, depending on which brand you go with, you can get them for eight, 900 bucks oh. up to 2,500 and, and, and above. Yeah. So it is a broad range, but for someone who's active, someone who's diligent in their activities, um, that is now somewhat of a feasible option for yep. people to have at home. I mean, I can tell you, we work with not only professional athletes that have them at home, but we work with um, high elite uh, CrossFit athletes, avid runners, uh, ultra, ultra marathon runners, marathon runners, triathlon competitors um, who have these units because it's affordable and not yeah. all of them have sponsorships, you know, they have yeah. to pay for them. And, um, and I love to see that, that with the competitive nature of this market, that prices are being driven down to make it accessible for everybody. And that's kind of our vision for our company is we wanted for our therapies and for our services to be at a price that people could afford. Yeah. And we see professional athletes, we see weekend warriors, we see high school athletes, and we wanted to be able to bring the same care to all of those demographics. And I feel like we've done a fairly good job at providing that. <laughs> no, no, I mean, hands down, you guys are you guys are definitely on it, man. You, you know, so I'm, I'm just curious too, just kind of talking about the boots. Mm -hmm. 
do you do you notice a wide range of outcomes from the from the boosts that are higher price compared to the boosts that are on that lower end of that you know thousand bucks eight hundred yeah. buck range is 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 it really worth the buck I guess is what I'm guess you know is, I'm what it comes down to I think that's a great question I think what it comes down to is quality of product yeah um, what I have found is those that are of lesser price points the quality um, is is not where it needs to be now you have to keep this in mind we are a facility that treats gosh 50 people at least a day i that's mean nice. that's on a low end so we have people in and out in and out of our compressions we are getting commercial use right not yeah. like not individual use and you know they th there's a reason why products have a two-year warranty right <laughs> because we know uh, it's so interesting. I've had a, I've had a compressions for two years. All of a sudden, two months and three year, and or two years and three months later, they fall apart, right? And it's like they know. It's like they plan. Twenty four months yeah. and one day, fifty nine <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah. So it's like you know, would you like to pay eight nine hundred dollars for compressions that you can go ahead and get repaired for two years? So it's essentially a two year product, or do you want something that'll last for five six years? At the end of the day. Uh, zipper integrity fails. I have yet mm. to find, and, and I don't know the way around that quite yet. I mean, I don't create compression boots, so I'm hoping they will do that for us. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But at the end of the day, what ends up failing on those units for us are the zipper integrity. You know, um, mm. if you take good care of it, if you have it for home use, um, you know, we have people yanking on those things because they know it's not theirs. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But if you have it for home use, that's usually what does it. But um, as far as clients go, you know, are they effective? Um, we have... That's hard for me to say. We 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 kind of I don't want to say we take a shotgun approach, but when we have an individual at our facility, we are typically doing multiple different modalities sure. at once. Very rarely will I have somebody come in and they're just doing compressions or they're just doing our infrared sauna. Um, so um, it's hard to say. Um, there is definitely a scale. You know, everybody's bodies are different. So when we talk about compression therapy, what we're really trying to do is engage what we call lymphatic flush. Yeah. Okay. So I like to describe our lymphatic system. It's very similar to your circulatory system. It's going to run throughout your entire body. Mm -hmm. But unlike your circulatory system where your heart is the central pump, moving everything around, your lymphatic system doesn't have that. It uses body movements, body contractions to engage that flush. So if you've ever had a coach that after an intense workout, they're like, hey, go take a cool down run, yep. right? That cool down run is designed to get those tissues to move to a low load where we're not continually breaking down tissue. Um, to get that lymphatic system engaged, right? Because if you've had DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, you're yep. not sore the day of an exercise bout, maybe the following day or the next. Yep. Um, we used to have this common misconception that that was due to lactic acid or lactate. Uh, in reality, we know that's not the case anymore. What um, is it? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. So, um, all right. So, so lactic acid, right, is a buildup. Um, its conjugate base is lactate, and that's what when we when we take a look at lactate lactate lactic thresholds, mm -hmm. right? We're looking at blood lactate levels. Um, those return to normal about 20 minutes after an exercise bout. So it doesn't make some sense for us to correlate something that returns to normal 20 minutes later to something that gets you sore 72 hours later, right? That's a great point. So um, what they've really brought it down to is that DOMS is, is waste product buildup. So mm -hmm. after a workout, you're breaking down tissue. If your lymphatic system is not doing a sufficient job at removing that, you have waste product that sits there stagnantly. We have an autoimmune response. We have an inflammatory response and we get sore, right? And so that is kind of where it comes through. So when we look at compression therapy, when we look at contrasting with tubs, right? Hot and cold tubs. If we look at 
even the Mark Pro, uh, which is an electrical stimulus to do something similar. What they're all designed to do is remove waste product that we correlate with soreness, mm -hmm. remove inflammation and swelling, promote a healthy blood flow back into tissue that will promote a better environment for that body to recover in, speeding up recovery times. Love that, man. I mean, yeah. you, you know what? I'm really glad that you kind of walked us through that because I think a lot of times people purchase things mm -hmm. just based off of hearsay. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my friend is doing it, so I'll do it. It's, it's almost like a Me Too type of um, type of industry with, with a lot of the recovery tools out there yeah or like I oh i see this athlete with this it right. must be good LeBron you know does it. I'll yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah well you, I, i'm happy you said that because yeah. i i walk every <laughs> whenever i have a client around the floor i walk through every tool i explain exactly why we're doing it and sometimes they roll their eyes at me and they're like chris it's too much information we yeah, don't need yeah. to know that but i would rather i i always i would always like to explain why we're doing something with somebody right rather than hook them up to a tool and they're like oh that feels funny on my shoulder okay i'm sure that's gonna help i like to tell them why right yeah. What is it doing? Because you're right, you know, as this kind of cycles back to what we talked about earlier, there, there is a lot of snake oil out there. There is a lot of things that do not work, but people think they work or um, work, but people don't know. And so it's important to educate the client as far as what we're doing, why we're doing it. Um, so they feel, and maybe, maybe it's a little bit of placebo too, right? <laughs> we talk about sure. letting people know why we're doing it and what it's supposed to be facilitated for. Um, but I always find that's important. Education is the number one thing for me, whether it's staff, whether it's it's clients or interns that we've got coming through. I feel like you have to educate people on what you're doing. Otherwise, why the heck are you doing it? You, you, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you brought up the education piece because I feel like, and I could be totally off base. I'm not in the clinic every day. Mm -hmm. Just try to network with a lot of guys. And I'm trying to understand like how the patients are responding to this. Like, mm -hmm. do they come in with like booklets of questions? Or are they coming in like, I'm here because I'm hurt, you know, fix me. You, <laughs> you bring up a great point. So yeah. um, this this is something, um, it's been a work in progress, I mean, for the past five or six years. Um, you know, when we first opened up, you know, some people would have the mentality of, oh, it's going to be like a gym. I'm going to walk into the recovery center, which is, you know, modalities. It yeah. looks like an athletic training room. But you can't have that mentality. You soon realize people don't know what the tools are. They don't know what's wrong with them. And they need guidance, right? Yeah. So we need to, so so it's been a five-year process to where we really have got people to understand. Um, um, you know, they sit down with one of our staff, we chat with them, figure out, okay, what is bringing in? We help develop a routine for them. We give them a sheet they take home at the end of the day that highlights kind of what we've gone through. And then we like to follow up in a week and a half to two weeks to make sure is what we're doing effective, right? Are we progressing? Are we regressing? Are we stagnating, right? And based off of that, we can help decide, do we need a more aggressive one-on-one -on -one therapy? Are these modalities sufficient? Uh, what's the next approach? Man, you know, lots of my friends that own other clinics, they struggle to find good people. But I feel like you guys are finding good people in the process here. Yeah, you do know. You have any, uh, do you have any tips or tricks for those guys? You know, I would say we, we are very fortunate that we have great staff. Um, you know, not everyone can say they enjoy the people they work with. Yeah, <laughs> and I definitely do. Yeah. Um, you know, life is all about relationships. Mm -hmm. That's that's where I find um, a lot of our staff um, have come from um, word of mouth references, right? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, certain credentials need to be at play there. But if someone is going out of their way to be like, hey, I've got this staff member, or I'm sorry, I have this friend of mine. Um, 
I think they'd be a really good fit because of X, Y, and Z. If they're going out of their way to say that to me, I will at least meet with that individual um, and, and and see, is it a good fit? Now, I might have a position open. I might not have a position open, but based off of our uh, our conversation, based off of the, I always like to meet with people in person as well, yeah. um, right? Because you, yeah. you can see paper, you uh-huh. can meet over the phone, but I like to see what, how people interact. What they what they do, what their what their you know their mannerisms are, um, and uh, if they leave a good impression, I mean that's really where we hire our staff from are from referrals from other staff that we have from other clients or not clients but sorry um, other professionals that we know. Um, I wish I had more advice than that. We've just been super fortunate that we have some really amazing people um, with some pretty um, wide reaching um, uh, avenues for us to kind of pull people in from. Well, I mean, I, th- I think the fact that you're willing to meet with people um, speaks volumes because it, I know it's a it, it is a little takeaway, and people would think, oh, yeah, obviously I should meet with people, but a lot of people don't want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to kind of meet up with a stranger and go through the process. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, because it's not it takes time. It's you know, you won't have any direct correlation to mm-hmm. who knows if they're going to come on board, are they interested, is it even worth it? You know, I mean, so I mean, taking time just to kind of network makes sense to me. Man. I I. Couldn't agree with you more, and I thank you for saying that. Um, networking, networking is so important because you never know who you're going to come across. You never know who you're going to come across or who you're going to meet at a later date and time. I mean, we've had just look at it from a business perspective. Um, uh, having clients come into our facility and they've been like, "Hey, I'm coming because X, Y, and Z. I've had three people tell me how awesome of a facility you guys have." I wanted to come and check it out. I mean, look at it from purely a business perspective. Now, if I'm looking at it, now I try to take that concept and correlate that to a staff hiring perspective where yeah. if I can meet with people, give them the face time, if they're willing, if they're going to go out of their way to meet with me, to reach out to me, I want to respect them enough to at least have a phone call with them, have an in-person interview, even if it's only 20 minutes, yep. just to get a feel for who they are. And and who knows? I mean, I've had I've had people come in where I didn't really have a position open, but that individual wowed me. And I'm like, we need to create something for that individual. You know, we have to find some type of a role awesome. where we can bring them in. And it, it's been a pretty wonderful experience with that. Man, you know, um, I really like your outlook. I like how you guys are rolling here, man. You know, I, I mean, seriously, because once, I'm, I'm not sure how, how long, how long have we known each other? Uh, at least a year and a half, two yeah, years? Year, uh, yeah, at least a year and a half, two years. At, at least a year and a half, right? So, I mean, once I first rolled up, I mean, I think I just walked in randomly because I was just in town. This is how I move sometimes. I was like, ah, just pop by. I've heard a lot of good things. You guys look great online. Um, and I, we just kind of linked up from there, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you've always been open, always been easy to kind of talk to, always got back to me pretty quick. And it's like, you know, but but you don't have to, though. I mean, even you hopping in the car, coming across town to hop on the, <laughs> to hop on the mics, man. Like, that wasn't mandatory, man. So um, I want to thank you for that, man. Seriously. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, dude, you have a good radio voice. Oh, thank you. You should think about doing something <laughs> with this, man. Would you ever maybe, do your own podcast? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe no maybe pressure. I can collaborate with you a little bit more. Dude, dude anytime. <laughs> seriously, anytime I'm in Denver and want to talk shop about, like, sports and recovery, Please, man. I would love to have you on the mic. Cool. I'll have some good content for you. All right. Nice, man. Well, well, Chris, man, thank you so much for coming back on the, on the actual podcast. Please let everyone know how to find you. Uh, plug your websites and maybe... Any, yeah, you guys can find us um, www.denversportsrecovery.com. Um, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us at info at denversportsrecovery.com as well. Dude, love it, Chris. Appreciate this, man. Thank you. Ooh. Man, oh, man. It's such an easy person. I love that.
So just like that, it's a wrap. And so if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you have questions for Chris, I got his links and his email address in the show notes. Drop him a line, drop him a message on LinkedIn. And as always, please subscribe so you can stay tuned to the latest episodes of the Joe Lemon Experience. Until next time, you guys be phenomenal.